0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Take
1: them up. Put them down. Put them down. Stay in step. Stay in step.
0: Sound good. Sound good. Listen up. Listen up. <laughs> Got to learn. Got to learn. New case. New case. Here we go. You can, you know can it. do it. You can do it. Listen up, listen
1: up. Stand yourself, stand up, keep up. Okay. There you go, there you go. We know what that means. It's.
0: I can barely hear this. With song. those
1: cadence calls, we know what time it is. It's time for David's Pick on America's Web Radio. And uh, anybody that's served can appreciate and loves cadence calls. And... Uh, as I mentioned to our general, General Dix, uh, and he and I, in fact, he generally starts his show by singing a cadence call, which many generals won't do that, but uh, General Dix does. And uh, Sounds good. Well, we uh, I don't think anybody's been through the military that uh, doesn't appreciate cadence calls. And uh, the many times that they've gotten us through... A, uh, close situation where you thought you couldn't take another step well uh, a drill sergeant or a platoon leader or somebody would start up a cadence call and you'd take that next step and make it <laughs> so today we have uh, Wolf Robert Linden now on and uh, he is a, a recipient and a inductee into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and uh Wolf retired as a major, I believe. Is that correct, Wolf? That's correct. And uh, welcome to America's Web Radio, and we're going to hear your story and uh, talk about um, what the Hall of Fame has meant to you. And uh, it, uh, it if you haven't been to the Military Veterans Hall of Fame, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, which is the premier veterans hall of fames in the united states and, and it's being copied in many many areas the director of it is uh colonel rick white retired and uh-huh. uh colonel white was is just done a, a fantastic job so uh wolf when when were you inducted
0: well, I, I think that's probably ongoing. There is a requirement to have been in Georgia either as a native or here ten years. I have been here ten years, just just now, this month, as a matter of fact. So, I think the the process is ongoing as we speak.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll. Uh, it'll be a delight to have you in the Hall of Fame. By the way, the Hall of Fame is open Monday through Friday, and it's across the street from. The uh, state capital of Georgia in the. Um, uh, God, I just went blank. Um, huh. Oh, the name of that building, I, uh, Sloppy Floyd, or Sloppy, I can't think of his name. Uh, anyway. <laughs> (laughs) It's right across the street from the state capitol, downtown Atlanta, and uh, they do have a very good, uh, make it a a full day, and it really does take you a day to go through it all, and they have a very good restaurant there, and uh, cafeteria style, but it's it's home cooking, and uh, you'll enjoy it, so... Whenever you're in Atlanta, coming to Atlanta or live in Atlanta and you haven't ever heard of it, uh, you need to go down to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And here yeah. You'll you'll it'll be a very enjoyable day and I think more and more uh, Wolf and you can certainly correct me on this, but more and more we need to honor our veterans and it doesn't matter which war it is or what they did, if uh, they gave their time, and we all raised our hands and uh, and gave our oath that we would protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, uh, both against foreign and domestic, uh, if it happens to be that way. So we'll, you know, it's just uh, veterans are veterans, and as I say many, many times, and said on this show hundreds of times. I don't know of a bigger fraternity or sorority in the world than the United States military. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, you can walk in and almost—I don't know if it's whether you uh, see it or smell it—but you can tell a veteran, and uh, they are distinct. And uh, we salute them every day. I have a—I have a flag. In front of me I have the the fold of the flag here and uh it was interesting the other day I was uh flipping channels and they for some reason they had oh it was flag day that's why they had it on and it was showing the folding of the flag and uh, uh widows or widows or veterans are uh, given a flag in uh when it if it comes off the casket of their uh, whoever's been lost that's but right anyway. So, welcome to America's Web Radio, and, uh, and looking at your bio, Wolf, uh, I think it might be easier to just ask, what have you not been involved in, as opposed to what you have <laughs> and are involved
0: well, in? Well, you want to spare everybody a lot of nonsense, because, I mean, the, the, when you read a bio, particularly the lengthy one I prepared, that puts you puts you to sleep, so let's see if we can keep people awake.
1: <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> a fair deal. And uh, you served 20 and a half years, correct? That's correct. In
0: in uniform, and then 23 more years as a civilian in the government.
1: Ah. So did that transfer over? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I combined both of them, so I have pretty close to 44 years in the government. Wow. Of course, that means I enlisted in the Army when I was, what, five years old? (laughs) (laughs) How I wish.
1: Yeah, it would...
0: Uh, but go ahead, part? please, kind of, take a look at the... wherever you think it would be an interesting point to talk about, then we can talk about that, and we just simply move down the down the list, and I can tell you where I came from and how I ended up being where I am today.
1: Okay, yeah. I don't know where you are today, but...
0: Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm here in Peachtree Corners, Georgia, oh, okay. today, but that's then, not where I came from, because I was born in East Prussia, Germany, during the end of World War II. So wow.
1: That's
0: that's a quick, that's a long jump from being a German who didn't speak a single word of English to being a retired Army officer. That is. And who served in the government for about 44 years or so.
1: And, and you speak English a whole lot better than Kissinger.
0: Uh, well, I didn't initially because I haven't, my, my knuckles got wrapped enough until I finally learned how to do it.
1: Ah, okay. Well, and uh, I want to mention, uh, you said you're in Peachtree Corners. Yes. the memorial. Oh, that, here, by the way. Pardon me?
0: No peaches here. No peaches there, huh? Got to go to North Carolina to get them.
1: But you you are very close to a very nice memorial.
0: Oh, well, we have a beautiful one here in Peachtree Corners. I went to the dedication of that, as a matter of fact. And one of the fellows who was talking there was an Army Major General who was a student of mine at West Point. Ah, Yeah, that really kind of surprised me. There he was. He was our featured speaker at the dedication of the Vietnam, uh, well, not Vietnam, but the Veterans Memorial at Peachtree Corners. Interesting. Beautiful, beautiful place, by the way. Very, uh, very nicely done. Flags uh, and and markers and the whole nine yards. Worthy of a visit.
1: Hopefully, uh, uh, we're going to be getting... uh, our memorial up in uh, John's Creek, the Healing Wall. After, well, it is already
0: up, the Healing Wall. Well, it it's is up. up. In fact, I went there recently. We had some wonderful pictures we took. It's going to be in the newsletter that Rick is going to publish, I'm sure. Oh, good. Uh, we've had some great ceremonies. We have another one coming up on the 24th where we have the first gathering of the members of the John's Creek Veterans Association, and we're having a luncheon there. Uh, bring your own stuff, whatever you want to eat or drink. And bring your own chair, too, by the way. It's going to be outside. <laughs> so the wall, the, 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 wall the healing up, wall, they, exists. Uh, it is a marvelous them. structure with wonderful flags on it and a very large American flag. So every one of us feels very much at home with that, let me tell you.
1: Well, we a just, magnificent
0: uh, a uh, magnificent achievement for Georgia.
1: Well, we uh, we have to have the dedication at some point because of the uh, vandalism, and uh, I hope eventually they catch the folks that uh, vandalize the wall. Well,
0: we're going to uh, we have cameras now that we're going to focus on that, so we're right. going to make sure that the next one that comes along that tries to deface it, we're going to we're going to get pictures of them.
1: Well, uh, the healing wall has meant a lot to so many families, and I think uh, Roger Wise has one of the best stories going with it. Uh, Yeah.
0: Well, he does a lot of very fantastic stories. He's a very interesting gentleman. I know him. In fact, he brought me into the John's Creek Veterans Association.
1: Ah. Well, let me ask you something, and I ask every guest, this: and being a veteran and and associating with other veterans, and that's what you do almost day in and day out. Uh Uh-huh. Have you ever met a veteran that only has one story, <laughs>
0: <laughs> or one story that is that is anything but lengthy? <laughs> That's right.
1: But no, yep. it's it's always fun. I've I've uh, been to the Johns Creek. Uh, Veterans uh, Association, a couple of times, and it's always interesting to sit at the table.
0: Oh, yes, it, it is.
1: You're it right. It doesn't matter whether it's Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, whatever. It doesn't matter. A story is being told all the time. And there are good
0: people there that have fantastic backgrounds. In all areas of the military in the United States,
1: absolutely. Not only the
0: Army. We have Navy, Air Force, Marines. You name it.
1: You got it. And it's uh, I. I can just sit there and listen and get a kick out of it. And I think what uh, Bob Babcock has done, and others, uh, a couple of others have done, on writing them down and talking to veterans and getting their stories and and putting them. Uh, In books or whatever, and I I just think that's uh, fantastic. And one other thing that we do, and I'll I'll let you do it. I I, uh, I'll start you, and then uh, I'll wind you up, and you can go with it. (laughs) Okay. All right. And that is that today, today, any parent, grandparent, or kid that is graduating from high school or college and doesn't know what they want to do. We recommend that they look at the military. It is my son's uh, in the Air Force. He's in Intel in uh, Germany, a major, and uh, he is had, he had and his wife have had wonderful experiences touring Europe. And they were uh, they were in Hawaii for a while. And bravo, so any, that is any, wonderful. Any kid that's about to graduate, they really, really need to take a look at our military. Well, that's no. how
0: I got into it, Dave. No, my, my, it. my stepfather was an army colonel, and when I graduated from high school in Heidelberg, Germany, I really had no clue on what I wanted to do, and most high school kids don't. So I turned to my stepdad and I said, Dad, what do you think? And he said, well, what do you mean what I think? There's only one solution, military. Go for it. <laughs> so I went down down to Frankfurt to enlist in the military, and of course I didn't have any proof that I was an American other than my ID card, and that didn't suffice. And so the guy told me, "We don't take Krauts. Go home." So I <laughs> went back to my to my stepfather and said, "Hey, I need proof of, of being an American citizen." So we got a passport made uh, based on my and my brother and siblings. Uh, we became American citizens when my mother was naturalized. We were too small to get a, cer- a certificate, so we got something called derivative citizenship. And based on my mother's naturalization, I was able to get a passport, therefore prove my American uh, citizenship. And then I went back and and enlisted in the Army at that time, and the sergeant was so peeved to see me again, only this time I had the proper documentation, I promptly learned how to make about 50 different beds and shine 50 different shoes. (laughs) You know, so I was rewarded for coming on board before I was sent off to my basic training at Fort Dix. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> the memory is fresh in my mind. It was a great time.
1: And you got you learned how to roll underwear and socks.
0: Oh, did I ever! The sergeant made sure we that um, my brother and I both came in at the same time, and boy, we got it. We we learned our lesson quickly.
1: Well, I I tell you, I I was in uh, the reserves. I did not serve, as I always say, I did not serve in country dear in Vietnam. And and now they got a label for us: Vietnam veteran era. And uh, boy, did they make an era with me, but. (laughs) Anyway,
0: <laughs> Come uh, on, that's not true. You served, you did You did something for the country that many other people don't do these days.
1: Well, it's, it's a shame that uh, only 1% of our country... That's right, you
0: hit the nail on the head there. And, the percentage is so low that it's almost an embarrassment.
1: Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I think any kid that's uh, graduating from high school and or college or whatever the situation is and they haven't made up their mind what they want to do, the military offers so
0: That's right. many. Come in, whatever level you can. I came in as a recruit E1. I couldn't get promoted rapidly enough, so then I became a second lieutenant.
1: Yes, sir. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out.
1: And uh, I'm I'm honored that you're with us, and I'm standing at attention as we speak. Oh, please, <laughs> no. Well, I was just uh, I got out as an E5 grunt. Uh, my MOS was 11 Bravo. Uh-huh and uh light arms infantry so um, i
0: support that 100 percent. i served in the infantry in both assignments to vietnam
1: well well uh, you know vietnam got such a bad rap and this is one reason that we do the show is that um i, I must say that rick quite generally lines up the guests as you as you know and uh I've been delighted with everybody that we've spoken to. They're wonderful folks, and uh, you know, Vietnam. Uh, what people don't understand or may not remember, but in uh, in the late sixties, early seventies, before the war ended, we uh, you couldn't even walk through an airport with a with your uniform on. We were
0: oh, I remember those days yeah. when well, I came back from the first tour I had in Vietnam. In those days, I, you were, I boarded my aircraft, actually, with a loaded pistol and a rifle, and nobody said a word. I got off in San Francisco, and immediately <laughs> there were negative feedback when they saw me in uniform. Oh, yeah. So I, I know what you're talking about. But then, of course, all of that died down, thankfully. Yeah. And I think finally people realized that we were there because our country wanted us there. We did what our country wanted us
1: to do. And uh, that's what, you know we live even today and we have there's no place in the world that doesn't have some kind of a problem or incident or this or that or something but we still live in the best country in the world and you know another funny thing that's happened wolf is that with all the veterans that we have interviewed and it's it's getting up there now uh, I honestly and and to put you on the right track Moses was a good friend of mine, so it's not like I just graduated from kindergarten. But anyway, I can't think of a person that we've talked to either on the phone or in studio or whatever that at the drop of a hat, any of us, if our country called us, we'd be in uniform. Uh, if we could get into it, we'd be in uniform.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: You know. Yeah.
0: Uh, if and, we could get into it, you're right.
1: <laughs> and the uh, and we have a prime example of it right here in in, uh, in America's Web Radio. Uh, General Dix, Richard Dix, did a show for us called "Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm," uh-huh. uh, both both uh, he served in and. Uh, he, he is a logistics expert, and when the pandemic hit and they started having the ventilator problems and even mask problems, they call... He was retired, general retired, and uh, they called him back up, which they can do anytime they want to, and uh, he's back to serving his country. And Excellent. I, they didn't have to ask him but once.
0: And, you betcha.
1: You know, and I don't think there's a... I don't think there's a person that serves that wouldn't do the same thing in a heartbeat.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: We might have to have our we might have to learn how to uh, manipulate walkers or something. But, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. But it's uh, and once you've been in, you know, I don't want to say you're always in, but you always have a brotherhood there. And it doesn't matter what branch you're in or anything else. It's just a matter that, you, like you That's said, That's right.
0: Uh, Absolutely, you You're hit the nail on the head.
1: And uh, we we certainly promote kids taking a look at it. So, okay, you did two tours in in Nam. Yeah. And your MOS was?
0: Well, I don't remember exactly what my MOS was, but I, what I do remember the assignments were very, I think, very interesting. The first one was in. 1966, when I was went over to Vietnam, and among all of the other lieutenants, we were raising hands. We were all collected in a huge room to go to different organizations, and and they were calling them from a podium, and we were all sitting there with a lot of noise in the room, and being assigned to different organizations. If so you'd raise your hand, and then you would walk up, and they would assign you to those. Well, I was sitting in the back, and I heard I heard them say special services, which, of course, is the fellows that walk around the different organizations in, in, in the military with their donut dollies, and they deliver good little goodies to eat and so <laughs> on. So I raised my hand. Well, that's not what they were looking for. The actual call was for special forces.
1: Ah, <laughs> a, a bit different. So
0: I, got a, I got a quick wake-up call. And I was assigned to an A-detachment in Vietnam, a wonderful group of people, one of whom, by the way, went through the Officer Candidate School with me at at the Artillery and Missile School. So I was lucky to be there with somebody that that I really liked and respected. But that was my first tour. The second tour was the 9th Infantry Division, uh, Arvin, the Republic of Vietnam Division, where I was a military advisor at the division level. It was, they were both good assignments. What I remember most about Vietnam is obviously not the stuff you don't want to talk about, but I remember the good food and some of the good people. You know, my counterpart in my second tour was an army major from North Vietnam who, if you can believe this, was a Catholic and had a wife with nine children. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was really something. What a wonderful individual that was and what a wonderful family it was. So I remember that distinctly, a wonderful individual. And I'm sorry to say that when the Communists took over South Vietnam, I suspect that his family paid the price. Mm. But I have no way of knowing that because we are, had already left. You know. Uh, anyway, those were my tour tours over there in Vietnam. And I, I have a great deal of respect for the Vietnamese people, for what we were doing, and I, was, I, was, uh, I think I, I enjoyed my, my, my duty there.
1: You know that's that's another thing about the military. You'll make some friends that will be lifelong friends. Uh, yes. They're either they're even, uh, and I don't know why, but uh, other than I guess it's the common knowledge that they have your back and you have their back. But with that being said, they're better friends than you'll meet in college or any place else. And uh, I've got a couple of them that we still we were at four door together, and um, great place. You know, yeah, it was a, a beautiful place to yeah. go through uh, basic and AIT. But uh, you know, we're we're still friends and still communicate. And uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just something like I said. It's a fraternity that's indescribable. Yep. And I,
0: well, California is a wonderful place to be. Sure. I was there once at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, oh, yeah, that's, uh, well, that's where, where I, where I, I Russia, it is. And I'm telling you, that is something I will never forget. Oh, that sure. was one of my that was one of my favorite tours. I wanted to flunk out of the course, so I have to repeat it. <laughs> it was a year long course, and it was absolutely delightful. Oh, yeah. You see, the Monterey, California, is very close to Carmel, as oh, you no, know, having absolutely. been there
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: and let me tell you, Carmel. For a young guy in his in his early twenties, is probably the place where every young American wants to be. And guess why that would be the case.
1: <laughs> what
0: would you What would you think? What was the case for for Carmel? Why was that so attractive? Well,
1: I wasn't married, so I know the exact ah, reason. <laughs> uh,
0: that's right. You know, that's uh, the reason why. You're absolutely right.
1: And uh, I tell you, the beach at Carmel was when I was there. This was in uh, 1970. Uh-huh. And, um You'd go out there and you'd see all of these. Little, now you couldn't do it today because of the uh, social distancing. Right. You'd have little, little. They'd look like a, a bunch of teepees. Actually, you'd have a group of four or five, and and right, in the, and they'd all have their heads down towards each other, and you'd have this little chimney of smoke coming up from the middle of the of the all these <laughs> little groups. And if you stood down when, you could uh, enjoy what they were enjoying. Yeah. But it is, uh, Carmel is, has no, to be. It was a right.
0: beautiful place. Oh. I mean, Monterey was gorgeous. I, that's one of my, that was one of my favorite places in the world. I, uh, and I remember even even San Francisco in those days was remarkable. Today, of course, oh, yeah. you don't want to go there. No. The streets are full of urine and other, uh, other factors, uh, trash all over the place yeah it's really it's disgusting in those days it was beautiful you I, could walk down the street to san francisco and smell the sourdough bread baking yeah
1: i was also spent uh uh some weekends in salinas
0: oh and, yes indeed
1: uh, <laughs> salinas i that was my first introduction to the hell's angels yep and i uh,
0: saw them come through monterey once
1: yeah and uh it was very interesting, but that that whole area, the Montere the Monterey Peninsula, is just incredible. And in Fort mm-hmm. Ord, uh, there's still a, a a drill sergeant's Yogi the Bear hat buried under one of the uh, matchstick barracks that uh, I uh, they gave me the opportunity to live in for six months. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. We did the impossible. My best yeah. friend and I did the impossible. We, we stole a, a drill sergeant's hat, which oh, you thought the world had come to an end, but we did it and got away with it, and it's yeah. still there as far as I know. Uh, but yeah, it was a great. I I loved it, and you know, this is I I had very mixed emotions, and I don't know anybody they wouldn't. What am I getting myself into? But you know, from almost the get-go i loved it and the only mistake i made was not staying in and uh yeah, well, you know it,
0: well, it was worthwhile that's it why was. i stayed in you know and then i getting out afterwards was a was a pretty decent chunk of time as well i took over a police force after that in washington oh wow so that was kind of interesting to go for the military to be a police officer <laughs>
1: yeah i guess and uh, i'm sure you had a lot of policing do, to do in washington dc
0: oh there yeah, we had a police force. we were we were responsible for the all of the federal buildings in Washington, not not, not the city itself, but the police force for the city, of course, is entirely different. And in Washington, you have more police forces than you can shake a stick at.
1: Yeah, there's like uh, I don't know five or six different uh, oh many more uh, than that. May, yeah, you know yeah, the, the Library
0: of, of Congress has its own police force yeah, and the, the Supreme the, Court has its own police force
1: and representatives in Senate.
0: Oh, the, of course, yeah. of course they do. Yeah, absolutely. It's a large police force, as a yeah. matter of fact.
1: We—I uh, was there uh, at a convention and uh, staying at the uh, Marriott, and uh, the I kept seeing policemen come in with rifles, and they were going up to the roof because there's a, there was a demonstration. That's right. Many, many. This was many years ago, and uh, so as they would come down. To eat, I bought—I must have bought a hundred dinners that night. And, uh, <laughs> but I'd buy them dinner every time they'd come yeah. down. And they got to talking about uh, uh, one of our presidents that uh, used the old Oval Office for various, various and the sundry things. I think. Oh, was, well, I tell
0: you, you you want to hear an interesting story on that?
1: <laughs> sure, why not?
0: Well. When President Clinton was elected to become the President, I had my police force in Washington next to the uh, uh, it was next to the Navy Yard where I had my headquarters. His uh, people liked my headquarters and tossed me out of it so he could use it as a campaign headquarters. so I moved into another building and then, when he was actually brought on board, became the president. Obviously, my police force, because we were responsible for all the federal buildings, had to be where he was. so, I was in a building where the GSA had storage stuff and so forth and he and, and, and Vice President Gore came to that building and I was standing in the corner away so that hopefully nobody could see me standing there. I was in my police uniform, standing against the wall and suddenly president uh, uh, the President and Al Gore come walking toward me i thought what the hell you know why would they come to talk to me standing against the wall when they can barely even see me but sure enough there he came over and he shook my hand, and we talked briefly. And in fact, I'm looking at a picture right now that was taken by the people who who came with him. And I see on the picture that he and I are talking, shaking hands, and I'm in uniform, and the president, uh, vice president behind him, Gore, and the expression on his face, looking at me, I, I'm sure that he was thinking, "Who in the Dickens is this guy standing here, and why is why is the president talking with him?" Anyway, I have that picture now. I found out later why they came over both the military officer assigned to be the aide to President uh, Clinton and the one as an aide to Pre- Vice President Gore, they were former students of mine when I was a professor at West Point. <laughs> and they just, they did it. They caused it. They said, ah, go over there, talk to this guy. And they, <laughs> they <laughs> called me up later on and told me what they had done. I said, well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Well, I mean, the White House sent me a nice picture, signed you know, signed by him. You know, the, the, I thought that was nice, but again, it was kind of an embarrassment because I, you know, I had no reason whatsoever to meet him. But I was standing against the wall, and my two buddies here they, they they wanted to make sure they gave me one. But they invited me to come to the White House, and I got a chance to to go to the Oval Office and be in there and see what the hell that's like. So, so that was uh, nice.
1: What, what did you teach at West Point?
0: Uh, they called me there to teach Russian because my Russian score was 100% on the exam. As you know, I'm a native German. Mm-hmm. So when they found out I'm a native German, guess what I was
1: teaching? <laughs> Russian, huh?
0: No, yeah. not Russian. No, no, no. I was teaching German.
1: German, okay, sure.
0: Oh, yeah. So that was, that was nice. And, in fact, one of the guys there was in my class... Uh, he t- he got a PhD in German after he graduated. He's now a full professor at the Army War College in in Carlisle. Wow. Uh, and he, was, he I sponsored him as as a cadet when he was at West Point. And boy did he did he blossom out. He he's published four very academic books, uh, and he's a he's a brilliant scholar. and Now a full professor at the Army War College.
1: Interesting.
0: Anyway, those are, those are nice little, you know, mementos that I have of my military service.
1: Yeah, well, it's, uh, like I said, uh, do you know a veteran that doesn't have, can only tell one story?
0: <laughs> that's, that's right, absolutely.
1: Well, and, and this is, you know, this is another great opportunity to plug the, the military in that if you don't go places, don't do things, then you don't have stories.
0: Well, I wouldn't have had the experiences I had if I hadn't gone in the military, I guarantee you. I would not have had the experiences, nor would I have, in fact, been selected for the jobs that I had as a civilian after I retired from the Army if I hadn't had the background that I brought with me from, the, from my tour, uh, various things that I did in the Army. I mean, you, you've got the listing there. Uh, you can look at it and see... Maybe there's something you want me to talk about on the various assignments that I had or the memberships that I had. So if you want me to talk about something, I can touch base with anything you want want me to talk about.
1: Well, Okay, National Director of Legislative Affairs and former commander of ANU garrison.
0: Yeah, that's that's the Army-Navy Union. That's something that most people aren't even aware of. Uh, And virtually every single member who served in the military uh in the army and the navy or even any other branch can serve into the army and navy union and it's only by invitation and because of my contacts that I had when I was in washington and particularly when I was I was the president of a group in the senate uh which consisted of military officers most of them very senior general officers and others who had worked on capitol hill and I, they invited me to come there as a speaker. when I was a, when I was a chief of police for the federal police force. And they wanted me to become a member. And they no sooner did I become a member then, than then they made me the president, which kind of caught me by off guard. and But they that that place. I mean, you got to know everybody who was anybody in the Senate. The guy who sponsored us at the time I was there was Bob Dole. You know, obviously, and then we went from there to to John McCain when Bob Dole retired, and so on, so you got to know these people, and that was one of the benefits of being in that in that place. You really got to meet some of the people that you would otherwise never ever have met and we met once a week in the Senate itself, you how, know, so how the did tour you, of duty I had there was only one year because the president stays in office for one year, and then you then you're just a member
1: how did you uh, how did you get into the policing end of it?
0: That was that's a good question. When I retired from the military, I went to work for GSA, mm-hmm. and they hired me into the office of, of law enforcement and, and security. Uh, and that's the GSA has a huge police force across the country for all of the federal buildings in the U.S. The chief uh, uh, of police for Washington is, that's the largest group. I had like 350 officers and about 3,000 or so contractors but I they hired me as a director of operations for law enforcement based on my military background. And I and I questioned that because I was not a police officer in the military, but yet I had management experience and leadership experience. So the director of the group in in the GSA decided they wanted me to take over this as the uh director for the chief chief of police for the Washington uh, area. That was the largest one we had. And that's how I got selected into it. So they simply said, well, he's competent to handle it. Bingo, make him a police officer. So that's <laughs> what I did. <laughs> well, this is fine. Uh,
1: this is an interesting conversation. And with that being said, I let, I slipped by the 1030 mark, which, generally speaking, we'd take a break. But our break uh, is to promote the georgia military veterans hall of fame and uh it's downtown right across the street from the capitol and um we invite everybody it's open monday through friday and uh go down look around you'll read some stories be sure you take time to do it and do it right by reading about this guy that guy this lady that lady and um There'll be interesting, interesting stories, and if if you have someone that's been inducted into the Hall of Fame, you obviously want to find them, and uh, if you're not with your kids, uh, if you have your kids and can tell them about what grandfather did or grandmother did or whatever the situation is, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience, and you know i i say spend a day but you could easily spend a couple of days and um we certainly invite everybody that's listening if you're coming to atlanta or even if you live in atlanta there's so many people that don't know about the georgia military veterans hall of fame that uh, we invite you to go to it and also go out to uh, you know uh, Georgia's getting to be quite a uh, area for veterans and uh the uh, the healing wall that's coming to Johns Creek, or is in Johns Creek? Oh, it is. It's
0: ready for people to visit. It is truly worth a visit.
1: Oh, yeah, and uh, I live right around the corner from it, and uh, Mike Mazzell is a good friend. And, well,
0: he's a member of our group as well, of course. Right.
1: And uh, then you also got the uh, Peachtree Corners Memorial, and, you know, it, it's just people are appreciating and associating North Georgia with veterans, which I think is just absolutely great. And uh, you know, again, if you're fortunate enough to be at the wall or be at uh, Peachtree Corners and you've got a group of veterans there, I don't think there's a veteran one that wouldn't mind you eavesdropping on what on the story they're telling. And uh, there there are great great stories from. It doesn't matter whether it's World War II, Vietnam, or Korea, Vietnam, whatever. And uh, uh, General Dix has some very interesting stories from Desert Shield and Desert Storm. So, you know, find you a group of veterans that are talking, and say, "Do you mind if I just listen?" And you'll learn some things that uh, you didn't know before. And we—I want to mention too, because of this show. We'll be starting a new show very soon, two new shows, one strictly about Vietnam, and want the veterans to tune in to it. Do you know uh, Pete Mecca? Yes. Okay, well, Pete's going to be doing a show for us, and Uh uh, then we've also got, uh, because (laughs) I've been called a person with an attitude.
0: uh, (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I do have an attitude about our public education and the fact that History isn't being taught anymore, so we're going to start a program about history, and uh, it'll basically be uh, for veterans and wars and kids to... uh, I think
0: it's very important to do that. I'm glad you're doing that, Dave, because quite frankly, the history goes... uh, If you ask people about the history, if you're interested, I can give you some history that takes it back to the early early 19th century. That is quite remarkable, and that's the, uh, one of the reasons I'm an American today, as a matter of fact.
1: Well, I, I tell you, if, there, if you want to get me upset, just talk about rewriting history. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know you could do that. I thought history was history. And, uh, yet,
0: Depends on who writes it, Dave.
1: Yeah. And uh, now they're coming out with uh, different stories about the same place, and I, I, yeah. I go ballistic over that. So we're going to be... Uh, we've got a professor from uh, South Georgia, and that's going to be doing the show. And uh-huh. he is—he and I concur on uh, rewriting history. That history is history, and you can't change it. And uh, you may not like it, but you can't change it. And uh, you know, that's—we all live through different times, and. You know, I've I've said this again many times over and over again, which people are probably bored with it, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's like this pandemic. And when I was working at uh, Station KLVK in Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas, uh, that was when uh, Kennedy was assassinated.
0: Oh, I remember that day. Um, I know exactly where I was on that day. Yeah,
1: so do I. uh, Exactly. uh, We all went in uh, to the station, and... uh, Mm-hmm. And we figured, well, the general manager has to have a book on a shelf that says when a president is assassinated. Yeah. But there wasn't any book like that, nor was there a book on when the country is hit by a pandemic. And I'm sure radio stations all across the country were and around the world, for that matter, were trying yeah. to find that book. And the. But there'll be a lot of them now. I can now, were you tell. being in the radio, I guess you
0: had access in, years ago to Wolfman Jack, did you?
1: Oh, yeah, certainly.
0: Well, let me let me tell you something about yes, Wolfman, Jack, Wolfman Jack, which is the, the God's in truth. I met him in 19, uh, let me see when that was, 1995, I believe it was, when he came to Washington, and he was signing books, and uh, somebody called me and said, Wolf. The Wolfman is here. I said, "Come on, you're kidding." I said, "No, no, he's signing books across the street from where our headquarters was." Huh. So I went over there, and there was there was nobody in line for the, for the books because I guess it, I got there kind of late. And I walked up to him and I said, "Hi, I'd love to get one of your books." He said, "Well, what's your name?" I said, "My name is Wolf." He said, "No, no, no, what's your name?" I, I said, "My name really is Wolf." And he said, "I don't believe it. First Wolf I've met." So he handed me a book made out to Wolf W U L F dash man Wolfman and he signed it Wolfman Jack and then he and he put after that what a howl and drew a face and signed it and on top of that I had a picture taken shaking hands with him and he signed that now the reason I mention all that is the following morning I read in the newspaper in North Carolina that he died wow so the picture that I have with him and the event that occurred in Washington was the very last time that he was in public. Wow. And I have that picture right here in front of me at home right now. I'm looking at it. And I'm telling you, the meeting with him was something I remember for a long time. He was one heck of a nice guy. Down to earth, a wonderful individual that I was truly sorry to read in the newspaper. I couldn't believe it. So let me tell you, Dave, don't ever have a picture taken with me.
1: <laughs> I'll remember that. Okay. I'll remember that. Am I
0: anyway, I thought you'd be interested in that. Oh, I yeah. was kind of unique. The last picture of him alive was me and it was Wolfman Jack shaking the Wolfman, Wolf Dash man, Man's hand. And he put that in the book. I couldn't believe it.
1: That's, yeah, and uh, listened to him many times, you know. I'd listen to him as I was uh, driving. Well, he was a
0: good guy. Yeah. Down to earth. You know, it's loud. Weird. You could understand every word he said, and he and he was an absolutely and a, for, wonderfully entertaining individual.
1: And didn't mind howling.
0: <laughs> That's a fact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this this is uh, this is fascinating. What? Let me let me throw the ball back in your court. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that anybody knows you better than yourself. What would you, what stands out besides Wolfman? What stands out in your mind as uh, the most important thing that's happened to you in your career?
0: Well, the most important thing that happened in my career is actually becoming an American. I remember when World War II ended, I was three years old, and I lived in a place called Baturz in Bavaria, Beautiful, beautiful place. Now it was not touched by the war. The buildings dated back to the year 800 or even before. It was a gorgeous place. And guess what? General Patton made it his headquarters in Germany after World War II. And I was fortunate enough to be there at that time. You know, when I left there, I was about five or six years old, and the kids and I would always go to where General Patton had his headquarters. His headquarters was in a German concern that was actually a training concern for SS officers. He renamed it to Flint concern. Flint was a colonel who was killed in General Patton's staff, so he renamed it in his honor. I remember sitting there and seeing American soldiers come out and we with my friends and they would always have something for us. For the first time in my life I got an ice cream. I didn't even know it existed. I mean, I I, I marvelled at the taste of ice cream. I said, "What is this?" And I told all my friends. So the kids, the number of the kids increased dramatically <laughs> oh, when they yeah. heard of what I had, what the goodies I got. What what followed there, in fact, caused me then to be an American. My father obviously was a German. He served in the German Navy at the time, uh, and my mother assumed he was killed. So she married an American officer who was an General Patent staff uh his name was Colonel Zedler, Leonard W Zedler. Uh he became my stepfather and in fact he is my real I mean, I see him as my real father because he I, he's the reason I'm an American. <clears throat> and then I learned how to speak English at that time as a young guy and then finally ultimately I went to American schools and so on. But there, um, but all of that this is the reason I'm an American today, which I thought was kind of interesting both my mother married a staff officer on General Patton's staff, and my mother's sister, who lived with us there, married a friend of his. And I call him Uncle Wilburn. He, too, was a colonel in the Army. Hmm. Died recently. Hmm. In fact, General, uh, his name is, uh, let <clears throat> I me mean, see if I remember, Colonel Packett, Wilburn L. Packett. He was the last living member of General Patton's staff, and he's now buried in Arlington National, wow. as is my mother and my stepfather. And hopefully, by the time my comes, which could be any day now, I hope to have a place there, too, because that's obviously the place where all of us uh, want to be and should be. Anyway, I thought you'd be interested in oh, that. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of an interesting story. It's a
1: fascinating story, and uh, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you telling it and, and sharing part of your family with us. That, that's uh, fascinating. Well, I, I learned to
0: respect you. See, I, didn't, I couldn't speak English at the time, nor did I care. And, the, and they didn't, I had no idea that Ameri- American soldiers were different from German soldiers or from anybody else. They were people, and they brought us cookies and ice cream. So for me, they were heavenly angels.
1: <laughs> you know, how many there have been so many movies made about uh, World War II and, and showing officers and enlisted as well. Sure. giving all the kids and That's right the, exactly
0: for yeah. the kids they were they were the most wonderful thing in the world <laughs> We didn't have anything like that available on the economy in fact we were lucky to have food yeah so to get that kind of a goodie wow <laughs> I that, mean and then when she married an American officer then of course we were we were home free
1: <laughs> well that chocolate will get you every time
0: <laughs> yep. And well, those are, I mean, those are marvelous days. And Batos in Germany and Bavaria is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I love it, and I will go back there any day to just simply marvel at how beautiful it is.
1: My son enjoys it. He's uh, stationed in uh, Ronstadt. Uh, so he, uh, but he will be coming home, and I, I will probably, uh, this is his, uh, uh, be his first first tour in the United States, uh, other than. Uh, I'd love to meet him. Mind. Give me a holler. Oh, I will, and then then he would like to uh, get a position in the Pentagon or at least in D.C.
0: Well, let me know because maybe I can help.
1: Well, that's what I had in mind, as a matter of fact. Poor, yeah. poor I mean, lieutenant. I
0: know some army generals who are friends of mine who were, you know, people that I served with there, and who you know I was with them when they served in Germany. They retire now, but a general always has contacts.
1: Well, you know, it's uh, sort of like um, the White Christmas. What does a general do when a general retires? Well, they never retire, really.
0: They never do retire. Of course not.
1: And uh, their knowledge is so uh, deep and so respected yep. that uh, we shouldn't ever let them retire.
0: Well, uh, I, the guy that I'm referring to, he was, uh, he was the Deputy Chief of Army Intelligence at the Pentagon. Um, and he was a major general at the time. I served with him in, in Germany, and I was the chief of counter-espionage and counter-terrorism and, counter- uh, and intelligence for northern Germany. Wow. Um, I was an intelligence officer at that time. And, you know, so that guy, I mean, the stories he can tell and the people he knows, it's, it's, it's utterly amazing. And we're still in contact, by the way. That's nice. I call him every now and then to harass him. We tell each other war stories. And,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if, if we don't like the story, we'll make up one to counter what he's telling me.
1: <laughs> no, a, I, I can't imagine a veteran doing that.
0: No, absolutely not. <laughs> we tell nothing but the truth, of course.
1: That's <laughs> right. With your left hand raised.
0: That's right. <laughs> or your fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. But uh, <laughs> did you ever spend any time in uh, Russia?
0: No, I didn't. As a matter of fact, and and, and I was not allowed to go there.
1: Hmm.
0: I couldn't go to East Germany or Russia because of the clearances I had in the in the in, in the army intelligence. Hmm. And they had my they had an arrest warrant out for me. If I set foot in in East Germany or Russia, they would have arrested me immediately.
1: Wow, well, I had, you forget
0: uh... that I was born in the East. What what was then at that time? East Germany.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, had, they uh, they
0: knew full and well who I was. I know that they knew where our intelligence headquarters was when we were in Frankfurt. I know that because the guy I saw a guy photographing us when we went in, huh. and well, I tried to catch him, but I wasn't fast enough. He got away.
1: We have a we do a show called Agent in Charge uh, Special Agent in Charge, and that's Sandy Bostick. who was uh, his last uh, duty was to be uh, Homeland Security. Uh, agent in charge in El Paso, but he spent most Ooh, of his career I, in uh, Moscow.
0: Well, if he was an agent, I, I'm looking at my. I got a. Let me see. I have three awards that I have. One here is the uh, Army retired uh, Department of the Army award for being an agent there, uh, and you know it has my old old shield in it. Then I have another one from my police chief days, the Federal Protective Service one. And then I have another one from the office of the Inspector General, uh, where where I was in the, in the head of the Thank security you. for for the Middle East. Uh, and so they, I have three of these different shields that I wore in my uniforms after I retired. And it was kind of interesting. So, well, one of them, of course, was a military one, but we didn't wear the the badge. You know, we simply had the MOS, That's all. But those were days, long gone.
1: Those are days, long gone.
0: Yeah, so today I'm not only retired, but I tell people that I'm retarded. (laughs) (laughs) So so then they won't bug me. They say, oh no, he's retarded, don't bother him.
1: Well, uh, the days are gone, but the memories will never fade
0: no they won't and it's you know it's good to meet people like rick for example rick white oh He's yeah such an interesting chap and if anybody goes to the, the hall of fame that that he that he in fact is is primarily in charge of hopefully they'll meet him there and if nothing else they can call him and and then he'll meet them there i'm sure very interesting guy and a good fellow to know
1: and paul lingear is a Yes. He's a great guy.
0: Uh, Well, quite frankly, anybody listening to the radio show today, uh, if I can put a plug in for the Johns Creek Veterans Association, I would like to do so. Absolutely. And it's something that I think all veterans should consider. They don't have to be very important people. They don't have to have important jobs. They have to be a veteran, and that's all they have to be. and, uh, and once they're a veteran, they are eligible, and we would open. We would accept them with open arms.
1: And by the way, I want to throw out that uh, when I've gone, they've, they've done that. And like I said, I didn't serve in NAM. I served in the reserves.
0: But you served. It doesn't matter. You served. That's the important point. Not where you served or when you served, but you served. That's what we're looking for in the Johns Creek Veterans Association.
1: And there are a bunch of nice guys. You bet. Even, uh, even Rick those guys. White,
0: for those listening, uh, they can reach him. He can uh, bring them on board for sure. He's. You can get him on the email, for example, Rick White altogether spelled R I C K White W H I T E altogether. Rick White four seven five zero at gmail.com. You get in touch with him. He can tell you what to do, how to do it, and he'll bring you on board.
1: You know, I don't know how. Uh, when you were serving exactly, but uh, uh, I go back far enough that uh, we didn't use our Social Security numbers. We still had military numbers.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I had those when, when I first uh, joined the Army, yes. Yeah. And I yeah. also had those when I first got, got commissioned. Uh, And then after that, we used our Social Security, unfortunately, but that's been done away with now. So on my retired military card, there is no Social Security number.
1: Huh. I didn't realize that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's deleted. In fact, that was deleted years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Huh. So there is no more Social Security on the retired military. It's only the name, the rank, and, and that's it.
1: Name, and then it tells
0: on. you how long the card is valid for. It.
1: Name, and then rank, the retired and retired
0: guy—it's valid for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, it used to be name, rank, and serial number. <laughs>
0: that's it. Yeah, serial number is no longer there, uh, and the Social Security number is definitely not there. Uh, which uh, is a good thing. I mean, that's yeah. you know—if if you have copies of that, you go somewhere, they make copies. Look out! <laughs> you get a lot of lot of strange thing. people accessing it, and you don't need that.
1: Well, what uh, one last, we got about uh, about five minutes to go, four and a half uh-huh. minutes. Well, what, anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to cover, besides the fact of inviting everybody to Johns Creek and uh, the Healing Wall and uh, Peachtree Corners with your old's memorial? Uh,
0: well, I think uh, there's so much here in Georgia that I'm, I'm so delighted to actually be here in Georgia. I can't tell you. I was so happy to, to leave Washington, D.C. after spending so many years there after I retired. I mean, I would not recommend trying to live there as opposed to here. This is a, is a much better life, much better life. And there is so much here for veterans, and there's so much appreciation for veterans, that I think people really ought to take note of that. And the Johns Creek Veterans Association is one of them. You know. And there are so many other organizations you can join. Our, for example <clears throat> I'm here in Georgia and I have something called the military officers and the MOFW, military officers of foreign wars so anybody who served as an officer in a foreign war anytime they're eligible to join and we've got quite a few people here in Georgia would you believe, we call it a commandry I'm the commander of that for Georgia that's you know, so, uh, uh we've got some people in John's Creek who are actually members of that as well now
1: uh, let me ask, what are you all doing on the uh, dis- distancing thing? With uh, I know you meet on Wednesday nights.
0: Um, well, you wear, wear the mask. Now, we have something coming up on the 24th where everybody who's a member is invited. If you're, uh, yeah, And if you want to become a member, show up there at the wall. We will bring you bring on board. But we have distancing in, in effect. You wear the mask as well. Now, you have the choice of wearing it or not wearing it. If you come there with family members, you don't have to wear it, obviously, if you choose not to. But if you don't, uh, and you're sitting with somebody somebody else, then you do have to have a mask on, even though there is a six-foot distancing requirement. So, uh, you know, again, you can make the choice. If you choose not to do that, that's okay, too.
1: Well, I I tell you what, knowing uh, I don't know that many that are in Johns Creek, but uh, the ones I do know, you can't be with a better group of folks. Yeah.
0: No, You're absolutely right. They are, in fact, they are wonderful people. Uh, we have all services repremen- uh, represented, all services, and that is a wonderful thing. I was sitting at the table when Rick brought me on board there. I sat at a table with the with Navy people, Marine Corps people, and I told them that I, I will not. I will not say anything funny about uh, of that, and I will not tell them that I'm sorry they didn't become Army people, though I accept them as equals, and they grinned, <laughs> and they said, this guy can't be all bad.
1: Who, who's the, who's <laughs> the gentleman, and I can't think of his name, but the gentleman that uh, was a uh, submariner that seems to be a uh, fairly dominant individual in, in Johns Creek?
0: well i I don't know enough people to actually make an intelligent comment on that i <laughs> I would be guessing I don't know that i I may have met him I may not i
1: don't know i I can't remember his name, but I sat across from him uh at a dinner there and uh he he was i mean i i I couldn't keep from smiling as he was telling his stories yeah <laughs> and uh, it is interesting and if you've never well I don't know a veteran that hasn't doesn't still uh talk to other veterans and uh it's always fun and like you said it doesn't matter what you did we all went through some of the same stuff together and uh, well
0: that's right a veteran is a veteran and you don't have to have been there in magnificent places and done heroic things and no that's not required if you're a veteran that means you served your country and that's what this is
1: all about yes sir with that being said, we uh, we got to put a plug in the jug and get out of here. Get ready for uh, uh, Ron Bachman and his show, Healthcare Insight. And uh, Wolf, I want to thank you, and I hope that we get to meet one of these days in person. And and who knows, by then maybe we can shake hands. <laughs>
0: yes, sir. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share some thoughts with you. Uh, and really, I'm, I'm very appreciative of what you're doing with your web radio. America's Web Radio, wonderful organization. Thank, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.